Welcome to the Joey Miller Podcast. I'm Pastor Joey Miller from Champion Christian Center, and I am so happy that you tuned in with us today. We have so much to talk about out of God's Word, and you are going to be blessed. But let me just remind you, before we jump in, don't forget to check out joeymiller.co for all sorts of resources, from merch to Bible studies to podcast notes to blogs. You will be blessed, so check it out today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you're enjoying it and you want to share it with a friend, a great way to let us know is to like it, to share it, and to subscribe. So make sure you do that as well. Well, let's get into the Word together. Uh, I'm excited to share a message with you and this message is called you know our word of the year if it's your first time here tonight we have a word of the year every year at at l ministries we have our victory wall because victory is what we're declaring uh, over our lives all year long a year of abiding victory and so uh the message that i want to share to you tonight is called victory over me in 2023 uh victory over me in 2023 because every new season and every new place that we go uh, requires a new version of ourselves. That if we're going to be going forward, taking ground, it's going to take a new version of me. And so God calls us, as God calls us deeper, as he calls us into new levels, uh, that he wants to do something deeper in us. That before God can do something through you, he has to do it in you. And so we're going to be taking a look at God's word tonight, and we're going to be uh, looking at a message here that is a little bit more of an of a introspective, it's an application that, that you're not going to be so much able to like nab your neighbor and be like, this is for you. Like, you know how we want to do that. There was a sweet woman in a church we wanted to go to and every, or we went to for a while. And every time the pastor preached like a message, she would give the look, you know, like, are you looking? Um, This is for you. And so we don't want to be that. Like, think about like looking at you, like the mirror is in front of us tonight with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be turning in the Bible to Genesis. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32. We're going to be looking at the life of Jacob here for a minute and what it's like to to really have victory over self. Um, How many of you know when you get born again, uh, your spirit man is born anew? In John 3, uh, Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus, and he's explaining this to him, that the second you confess Jesus, there there is something that happens, and your spirit's made new, uh, but there's still this very real side of us that talks, it's talked about all throughout the New Testament, that is our flesh that then has to be crucified. And, um, And when the Holy Spirit deals with that. It's only for our benefit, but we don't always like it especially as ladies. Um, and and I, could, I could pick on the, the ladies tonight because I am one and I know what it's like and I know what it was like to be a little girl at one point and my daughters did the same thing that I often did and that's this. Whenever I would get in trouble for something or whenever they would get in trouble for something, instead of uh, receiving the correction, they would quickly divert the attention to something else. Like for instance, if I would say to my youngest daughter, because how many of you are also the baby of the family? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm the baby of the family too. So uh, when I would say to her, uh, Amelia, why did you do that? 
her little eyes would get so big that I was actually yelling at her, that she actually, you know, and, and instead of taking the correction like my older kids did, like the first child, like they just take it like a champ. Do you know what I mean? They're used to it. And she would quickly divert the attention of, oh, my arm hurts now, you know? So, so she, would, she would divert the discipline to me feeling bad and pitying her. She would quickly try to divert the attention off of the issue to a point that now I'm not mad at her. Now I want to look at her as the victim. And as we go into God's word tonight, I want to challenge you not to do that with the Holy Spirit, that we're really good at that too. When the Holy Spirit tries to put his finger on an area of our lives that isn't going to be profitable to us, that can't go with us into uh, this new version of us, whatever God is calling us to, whatever he's, whatever victory he's calling us into, it's easy to start the diversion game, right? Like, oh God, and we give a million different excuses and we, and we try to divert the attention to, it's not my fault, it's, it's his fault. He, you know, he makes me like this or she makes me like this or do you not know who my mother-in-law is? Or, or we start to like divert all of these issues in our lives to excuses, to areas that we start to actually feel bad for ourselves. And if we're going to have victory this year, like I said before, it takes us standing up and, and saying, you know what? No, I'm going to be a victor. I'm going to stand up and encourage and take a good look in the mirror before we get into the rest of the year. I was like, Lord, is this like a time for a message of faith? And we're going to have those messages of faith to take our land and all the things that God wants to do this year. But I really felt like God wanted to deal with with this. There's some things. We talked about relationships last month. Uh, we're talking about ourselves this month and some things that just need to get really clear before we move on into victory. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Genesis 32. We see here, uh, we're, we're going to see where Jacob is actually at a place where Jacob wrestles with God in verse 22. Now, to set you up a little bit, if you know the story of Jacob, if you're like me and I got saved when I was 17 and I would come into the church and I wouldn't know what the heck the pastor was talking about. And so I actually uh, went out and bought a children's Bible. And when I tell you a children's Bible, I'm not saying like probably the Bible that most of your kids have. I mean like like a, a child, like a toddler's Bible uh, with pictures because I needed the simplest version of the story, right? Uh, I needed the baby food version of it. And so I was so excited when I finally started to understand the Bible messages and I would sit in a church and the pastor would say something and I would be like, I understand him. Like it was a different language or something, you know, because I was putting two and two together. So I don't like to just assume that everybody knows the stories. And if you don't know the stories. I didn't know the stories at one point either, so it's okay. So, um, so the story of Jacob goes, he, he had a, a brother named Esau, and uh, his brother Esau was supposed to get the blessing from the, from the father because he was the older of the two brothers. And so he tricked his brother uh, into uh, giving him the blessing uh, for like a cup of stew. So they, he tricked his brother, he tricked his father, and the name Jacob actually means deceiver. And so in the Old Testament, we know oftentimes their names were also signified who they were or some form of their identity. So 
Jacob, the deceiver here, is in a situation where he, he's gotten into a, a trouble with his brother, and now he's, he's fleeing. He fears his brother. And in verse 22, it says, the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have, stri for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask me my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, I have seen God face to, to face, yet my life has been delivered. And I love this wrestling match that we see here between Jacob and, and the Lord, the angel of the Lord. And I love this because what happens here is uh, there is a wrestling match that goes on between who Jacob used to be and who God is calling him to be. And I experienced a wrestling match in the restroom before I came out here tonight. If you've ever wore a jumpsuit, they're really cute, but really impractical. And, and I was literally wrestling between my microphone, which I'm hooked up in like two to three different places, and this jumpsuit. And I didn't even let myself drink anything for like an hour before service because I knew this was going to be an issue. It was literally a wrestling match. I was pulling parts of my weave out to because I was yanking it down. And, and so I get what a wrestling match felt like in this scripture. But, but we see here, so Jacob comes to a place, the Bible says, uh, and, and he sends his wives, his wives uh, and every, every ch children, his uh, concubines, everything, he sends them across the river. God was calling them to a new place. And so he sent them ahead. And in the, the scripture says that Jacob stayed and he was alone. That Jacob stayed and he was alone. And, and I want you to see this here because if, if we're understanding what God is doing in us, in 2023, a lot of times uh, when we declare victory, what we don't understand is that means taking new territory. That means moving forward in different areas of our lives. And that requires, like we said, us to, to change, to meet up with that destiny, with that new version of us, with that new situation. Some of us have our husbands written on that board. Well, guess what? God might be wanting to do something in you uh, while he's also working that victory uh, in your spouse. Some of you, you know, you might be having your job or, or a financial situation and, and God wants to bring that victory, but he wants to change you in the course till you meet up with that victory and you're able to sustain it. And so, so really uh, understanding that when God takes you to that new place, there is that metamorphosis, that is, there is that changing period where God's doing something in you uh, to take you and prepare you to that new place. And oftentimes, it requires us to be alone with God. 
to be alone with God. And it's in the moments when we're alone with God that we're completely honest before him. Now, there's a difference between being alone with God and being alone with God. And we can be alone with God and, and, and be worshiping and, 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 you know, praising him and, and praying, but we're still putting on a, a false front in front of the Lord. We're still pretending in a lot of ways. We're still diverting the attention when the Holy Spirit's trying to work on us. Maybe he's trying to work on an area of our lives and instead of yielding to it, we're diverting the attention. Like, okay, let me pray for so-and-so because I don't wanna deal with that in my own heart. I don't wanna deal with that in my own life. And uh, I, I realized in my life, the times before my greatest promotions, the times before uh, the greatest breakthroughs are the times that I was the most raw before the Lord. They were the times where I was completely self-aware, that I was completely in a position before God not to divert the attention of what he was trying to do in my life, not to make excuses for, for different attitudes, not to make excuses for things that were keeping me in the flesh, but to say, God, I am fully exposed before you. Because God can't do a work in who we pretend to be. He does a work when we come before him and say, look, this is me. This is me. And I need you, Jesus. And, and so it's those moments where Jacob was alone now. Everyone was away that, the, that he really had to deal with some things in his life. Because the old deceiver couldn't go into the places that Jacob was going to go into. That, that, that worked for a little while, but there was a point where God was saying, if you want to move forward, if you want to really truly walk in the blessing of everything that I have for you, some parts of Jacob have to die. And that happens when we're bold enough and brave enough to get completely alone before the Lord. And that means saying, you know what, I'm taking responsibility for me. There's a, there's a quote that says, you get to be grown up when you take full responsibility for yourself. You get to call yourself a grown up. And a lot of us say we're grown ups, but we're not grown ups because we're not willing to take a good hard look in the mirror and say, you know what, maybe it's me. Do you all, uh, have you all ever seen my kids make fun of me because I'm on the meme train now? Uh, but the, the, the meme that says, it's me, Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Uh, you know, and thinking about that and saying, you know what, uh, I need to look and say, God, are there things in me that you need to do a work in? Are there things that me that need to get on the cross? Are there things in me that need to die so that more of you can come out through me? And that's where Jacob was. He was alone in that, in that moment, and, and it was quiet, and it wasn't about all the things around him. It wasn't about running from Esau. It wasn't about anything other than him alone before God, where God met him in that place to deal with the deepest parts of Jacob. And it goes on to say that, that Jacob had this wrestling match with God. And a lot of us are in that season maybe right now where we're wrestling some things out with God. And we're, we're asking him, God, why aren't you doing this? I, I, I want to see this in my life. I want to see a breakthrough in this area. And, and he's saying, first of all, how much do you want it? 
And second of all, are you willing to die for it? Are you willing to die for it? And not in the flesh, but but are you willing to let certain aspects of who you are come to the altar to say, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm done with this excuse. I'm letting go of this pain. I'm letting go of this thing that wants to label me uh, in my life. I'm letting go of this victim mentality. I'm letting go of this. Uh, I'm letting go of this attitude that maybe was acceptable in some seasons of my life. But now God is saying, if you want to go into this next season, that attitude can't go with you. That habit can't go with you into this season. And you, and you might say, well, you know, I, I don't see why this is wrong, God. It's not hurting anyone else. It's not hurting, uh, you know, it's just, with, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a me thing. And he's saying, yeah, it's a you thing. And I'm calling you out of it because I have a greater purpose for you. But if you're not willing to let go of it, then you don't want it bad enough. And, and wrestling with God here, Jacob put it all on the line. He wouldn't let go. Even after his hip was dislocated, he kept holding on to the blessing. It was like he was saying, I don't care what has to happen here. I'm not letting go until I see you move in my life. And that's what a victory mindset is. It's saying, I'm not letting go, God. I don't care what has to die in me. I don't care what you touch. I don't care what you call me to lay on the altar. I'm not letting go until you bless my life. And that's the position that Jacob was at. He was wrestling it out. And our flesh wants to give us a little bit of a wrestling match sometimes. There's things in your life that God is calling you to, to, to die, and they keep trying to resurrect. There's some CPR that, that happens sometimes in our flesh, and we'll get a glimpse of that old part of us uh, trying to take over again. The old mindsets, the old uh, perceptions of things, the old personality traits trying to come to life. And God's saying, look, I want you to come out of that because I have places for you to go. I have things for you to walk in and it's not going to benefit you to be in that space. And I love uh, the scripture that it says, just because it's permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. And that means just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Just because you can Cut someone or yell at someone to cut you off in traffic doesn't mean that you should. I'll never forget one time we were pastoring at a church and there was a sweet little uh, secretary and she was a redhead and she was just a firecracker. And, uh, and one day my husband was coming into work and she was uh, dropping off the church van and she didn't realize it was him. And, and he uh, must have turned and, and she flicked him off. She gave him the bird right there in front of the church parking lot, you know. And, and, and of course we were laughing, but I was like, oh my goodness, you know. Uh, we have to be careful that we, we represent Christ. And if you want God to increase your platform, you better put your middle finger down and and learn a little bit of self-control sometimes because just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because we're we're in this world doesn't mean we operate like the world. And God's calling us out of some of those worldly mindsets, some of those worldly mentalities, some of those things that that others can and, and you can't. Not because you're in legalism or you're bound by the law, but because you know you're called to something greater because God's calling you to new places and new spaces and that thing just can't go with you.
And the sooner we realize that, the better. The sooner that we realize that, you know what, these things in my life aren't necessarily fruits of the spirit like Galatians said. They're not, you know, love, peace, joy, kindness, self-control, all of these things. Uh, if, if it's opposing that, then it's not the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Uh, one time during the fast, my husband and I had a conversation. He wouldn't mind. He shared this on a Sunday. Um, and, and I said to him, I said, I don't really feel like you're operating in any fruit right now. And I was like, are you sure this fast is working? <laughs> and, we, and we both laughed and he said, uh, yeah, it's really fun to have a spirit-filled wife. Cause, uh, you know, and he's called me on things a million times too. But, but our flesh opposes the spirit. And we're going to take a look in a little bit here of what the Bible says about that in the book of Romans. But there's a constant fight between what we want to do, what we feel like doing, and what God is calling us to do. And if we're going to, if we're going to go to where he wants to take us in 2023, we have to get victory over these areas of our lives. We have to take a good hard look, put on our big girl pants, and address some things. To get on the surgical table and say, Holy Spirit, take out anything in me that's not of you. And here's the thing, though. It's not something that, that he does to us. It's a thing that we put ourselves on the altar and we say, Father, uh, Father, show me so that sometimes it's me crucifying the things in me. We're waiting for God to change us and transform us. And he's saying, you're responsible for some of this. You're responsible for some of these areas in your life. So we see Jacob, he wrestles it out, and he wouldn't let go. And we see that, that it says in the Bible, if you, if you read with me in Genesis 32, where it says he saw God face to face, and it says, and he lived. And I love this scripture because what it really means is that he saw God face to face. In the Old Testament, they said if you saw God face to face, you would actually die. No man can see God face to face. But Jacob, he experienced the intimacy and the glory of God in a way that some parts of, of Jacob died, but Israel lived. So, so the things in Jacob that God wanted to die, the deceiver, the things that were of the flesh, the things that couldn't benefit or profit him, they died. But Israel came out of it. Israel came out of it. There was a transformation that happened that day that God knew who Jacob was, but, but the old Jacob had to die in order for Israel to come forth from that situation. God's calling Israel out of you today. He's calling the promise out of you today. And, and when Jacob was face to face with God, he knew that he needed uh, to let some things go. Uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah 6, and it's one of my favorites. And it, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And, and it goes on, and, and he said, woe is me, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Well, Isaiah was already a prophet. Like, think about, like, uh, the, the Billy Graham uh, all of a sudden saying like he's an unclean man, like he, he, he was just a bad man. He needed to change. It's not because God wants to, to make you feel bad tonight. It's because when we get a revelation of who he is, it calls us to become the best version of us. See, when Jesus, uh, when you accept Jesus into your heart, all of the God potential in you comes alive. 
When God looks at you, he doesn't see you now in all of your failures, in your mistakes. He doesn't look at you uh, pre-salvation, uh, you know, whenever, whenever you were maybe busting hell wide open, whenever you were doing what you did. I'm laughing. I used that term the other day. I was talking to my son and his friends, and I was sharing some of my testimony with some of his friends that he had over at our kitchen counter. And um, I said, yeah, you know, I was busting hell wide open. And my son said, really, mom? What do you mean by that? And he said, <laughs> and I said, you know, I was just like busting hell wide open. And he's like, can you please like tell me a little bit more about what that means? And I'm like, no, I'm not telling, it's none of your business. Like she's dead. <laughs> But God doesn't see you in the light of who that person is. And the enemy wants to call out those things in you. He wants to keep you in that place. Because everything that is of the flesh is rooted in sin. Everything of the flesh is rooted in sin. Uh, before you get mad at me for saying that, let me take you to Genesis 3 for a second. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were great. They were enjoying all the fruits of the spirit, right? They're just in peace. They're in joy. Uh, they're just enjoying the best of everything. And then Eve goes and she eats the fig. It was really a fig. They, it, we call it an apple, but it was a fig. They didn't have apple trees. Um, so she grabs it and she eats it. Sorry. <laughs> it's my theology class coming out. I couldn't say it. Um, uh, but she, she grabs it and she takes a bite and she gives it to Adam and they fall. And all of a sudden they're separated from God. And we see the conversation that God has with them in Genesis 3. He approaches them and, and, and we see their response to him isn't like, hey, God, what's up? They're hiding from him. The Bible says that they are, they're ashamed that they're afraid, that they're now insecure. So we see with the, with the fall of man, sin enters the scene, and with it, it, it comes all of these negative uh, emotions, all of these negative feelings now, all of these negative things that, that take, try to take root in their hearts. They're now insecure, they're now ashamed, and they're now afraid. Fear, for the first time, enters the scene in Genesis 3. And then we see in Genesis 4, Adam and Eve have, uh, have some sons. And in the scripture, it, it unfolds in Genesis 4. They get into a fight, and one kills the other. We see jealousy. We see strife. And, and, and even the scripture, it says, why are you so angry, and why are you so downcast? We actually see depression in Genesis 4 uh, come onto the scene for the very first time. So that means this, that, that the things of our own nature, the things that are often keep us emotionally driven, how many would you say that your flesh is a lot of times driven by your emotions? Those things in our lives are rooted in sin, either sin uh, that, that we cause of, of our own accord. Uh, maybe it's sin that somebody else has committed that has made us respond in a certain way, or it's sin just because we live on planet earth and, and the earth is evil. And, and the Bible says that while you're in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations and just a result of a fallen world. And, and so there's, uh, there's ramifications that come with that now, that now the flesh and the spirit are at odds against one another. But the beauty of it is in Galatians, 
we see here that God makes a way for us. In Galatians, Paul is actually talking about this very thing. And he says, I have been crucified now with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live, uh, I live by the fact that I, of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we see here that he's saying, look, I no longer have to, I no longer have to give in to the things of my past. I'm crucified with Christ. That because Jesus Christ came, you now have access to dominion over your flesh, over the old nature, nature over the deceiver, all over the things that you used to be. And so the, the thing is the enemy likes to come in and he likes to remind us of that old person and try to get us to take the bait to stay in that position. That whenever God wants to bring you to a place of victory or to, to a place on the other side of whatever it is you're going through, the enemy wants to keep you in the old identity. He wants to keep you bound in shame, in fear. He wants to make you uh, continue to, to respond in anger, lashing out, impatience. He wants to, you to make a, a safe place in your heart for these things, a stronghold, the Bible calls it. A stronghold is actually a fortified area that you kind of set up shop. And we've allowed those strongholds to, to kind of take place in our, in our lives. And it's part of our old nature. And Paul's saying it's time to crucify those things. It's time for you to give an eviction notice to some junk that's in your life, to some stuff that's trying to hold you back. And so, you know, it's really taking an inventory and saying, God, what is it in me that, that you no longer want to represent the new me going into this new season? Maybe it's anger. And we just say, you know what, anger is just my thing. It's the way that I just am. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just have that kind of personality. I, I was into like um, Enneagrams and looking up personality things and, it, and it's all fine in its own space, right? But I was like, oh my goodness, like this is so me. And, and, and I, was, uh, I was kind of confessing and laughing about uh, the shadow sides of our personalities, right? Each, each personality that we have has some really good things about it, but it also has what they call a shadow side or a downside to it. And if we're not careful, we'll just embrace that as normal. Oh, that's just who I am. And that's just the shadow side of my personality. And I'm just always going to be like such and such. And, and, and the Bible's telling us here, no, crucify that thing. That that thing has no hold over you because of Jesus Christ. You don't have to just get angry all the time. You don't have to be uh, in a place that you just feel anxious all the time. And I know that anxiety is real. Some of you wake up and before your feet even hit the ground, you can feel it on you. And I'm not telling you that you're in sin because you're anxious. Sometimes sin does cause anxiety in our lives. If there's something that we're, that we're not doing that God has told us to do, or if there's something that God has told us not to do and we're doing it, then we're going to be anxious. We've opened a door to anxiety in our lives, but that's not always the case. 
Sometimes it's just a product of the world that we live in. If you listen to the news for more than two seconds, you're not in sin, but anxiety can certainly come upon you. Uh, Definitely come upon you. I was just ministering in New York, and uh, one of the questions that came in was, how do you deal with anxiety in the world that we live in? And I, and, I, and I gave the answer to the question in the Q&A, and I was talking to the lady who, who, who was asking the questions, and she said, you know what, that was my question, because uh, my husband and I uh, are very high-ranked in the military. And she said, we have privy to information that not many people have. And she said, um, and we know a lot of things that a lot of people don't know. And she said, we know timelines. We know exactly what's going to happen. And she's like, so it can be a very anxious and a very real thing. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I can't even imagine, uh, you know, the the kind of anxiety that tried to came on her. Not because she's in sin, because she's exposed to the world. And so, you know, but but the, the word of God says that we don't have to succumb to these things anymore. That these are part of the, the old nature in us that when we're raised with Christ now, joy is our portion, peace is our portion, righteousness is our portion. And so that doesn't mean that you're in sin if you're feeling that come upon you. What I am telling you is it's not a master over you. That if it's try to create a stronghold or a safe place in your heart or in your life, that you can actually now overcome it through the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's depression, and you feel like depression is is trying to come on you. Uh, Maybe you'll just be out of nowhere, like a thought that comes on you. Do you know that your emotions are not smart? Your emotions are responsive to your thought life. Your emotions are are not smart. If you're having an emotion, it's directly connected to a thought that you're either currently having or that's embedded deep, deep within you. And so the mistake that we make as Christians even is to be emotionally led Christians. That we, if we, if we don't get on the altar, if we don't have those moments where we're crucifying areas of our lives, then we're constantly going to be uh, in this battle where it's our flesh and our spirit raging against one another. And if we're not careful, we'll let our emotions lead the way. We'll let our emotions lead the way. Uh, do you know that if you have a negative experience, it actually does something in your brain? It makes like a groove in your brain. And your natural response will be whenever something triggers that negative experience, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a place. Let me, t- let me share with you this. I... Um, would always go shopping with my sister. My sister died in, in 2020, and we would, one of the things she loved to do was Black Friday shop. Like, that was her thing. And so she'd get her, uh, she'd get her, her muffins ready, and, and we would get up early in the morning, and I hate Black Friday shopping. Let me just tell you, you wouldn't know this about me, but I don't even really particularly like shopping in general. I know, I don't, I don't look like, I look like I would love to shop, right? I really don't like to shop. I like to go in, get what I need, and get out of there. 
And, but she loved it. So we would do it with her. My girls and I, we would get up at like some crazy hour, 3 a.m., and we would go hit all of our spots. And so uh, we'd go to the outlets and we'd go to Target. Anyone else have a, a Black Friday like hit list? Not many people go Black Friday shopping anymore. You're all sane. Thank you. Uh, I knew we were friends. So, um, but, but so every now and again, when I'm at the outlets or when I'm at Target, out of nowhere, a thought will trigger in my mind, oh, I'm so sad, I'm so depressed. I'm telling you it is like clockwork. And I have to physically say, you're not depressed. Like you have the joy of the Lord. Like that is the silliest lie. I've had to learn, I, what I did was I learned the pattern, whether it's of the enemy, the enemy surely does use it, even if it's just a memory in my mind that would trigger. And I would have to, as I recognize that pattern, I would be like, oh, no, Satan, you are not. There's no sorrow attached to Target in Jesus' name. Like, that's one of the places I actually do enjoy going shopping. So, uh, but, but, you know, I, I would have to physically retrain that thought, and that's what crucifying your flesh is. Now, what I could have done is I could have deflected. I could have said, well, yes, I am so sad, and, and I lost my sister, and I don't have anyone in my life anymore, and woe is me. And, and it would have been true to some extent, but I was deflecting the fact that God wanted me to take control over that thought and over that emotion, and so, you know, if, if we're not careful, we'll continue to live our Christian lives and still be bound and feel like we can't get victory in a certain area. And God is saying, look, you are, you're free to walk in this thing. You, you, just have to, you just have to crucify some things. There's some old versions of you that are trying to resurrect because of certain memories or certain triggers or certain situations. And it's time for you to put the nail in the coffin once and for all and say, that is not who I am in Jesus' name. That I don't have time to think about the old jo Joey. I don't have time to think about the old trials that I went through. I don't have time to think about the sorrows that I had. I don't have time for that. And, and having victory over your emotions and over your flesh doesn't mean that you ignore it. You know, I'm not like, oh, you know, uh, I'm just going to ignore the fact that I continually feel anxious. No, like you need to confront that thing with the word of God. I'm just going to ignore the fact that I feel sad or I'm going to ignore the fact that every time oh, I get in a fight with my husband, I do such and such. That's just the way I am. Well, you know what? You might need to change if you want to have a good marriage. You might need to crucify your response and, 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 this is the, the night of truth where we need to stop looking at the other person and saying, well, they make me respond like that. They have no control over you. You have control over you. And what you've done is you've let whatever thing in you that is responding that way to have a stronghold in your life. That you're letting it be your friend. Set up shop. Yeah, I think about a story of a family who bought a, a, ball, a ball python, and, and I was actually in the pet store yesterday while I was ministering out of town, Mia's hamster died, and um, it was just traumatic. I was actually on FaceTime 
talking to my husband and I see her come into the room and, and her hamster was dead. And so when we got home, the first thing I did was I met her at PetSmart and we picked out a new hamster. But the, the lady who was helping us was telling us she has a ball python and she was telling us all about it. And it reminded me of this story of this family that took in this python and it was, a, it was like their pet and their family pet and they just took care of it. And, and it is Summer Hayes. I don't think she's here tonight, but she has... She has some snakes and things, and God bless her. I hate snakes. I hate them. I know. I just hate them. Um, and, and they took it into their home, and, and all of a sudden, this python grew bigger and bigger and bigger, and it was on one of the kids one day, and it, and it just did what it does. It's a predator. It, it, it killed the child. And, and, and you know, it, it's sad, but it is what it is. And so a lot of times, we let these things in our lives, these attitudes, these uh, these things that God wants us to stop, whether it's habits, what, whatever it is, we, we make friends with them. We're like, no, this is my thing. This is, this is a, a friendly thing that I've invited into my life. And before we know it, it's choking us out. It's choking us out. It might feel good in the moment. It might feel good to lash out. It might feel good uh, to be a, a, you know, a spitfire, mouthy woman, right? I am woman, and then you're just going to hear my opinion. Well, is that the godliness in you, or is that the flesh coming out of you? Because we're really good at taking ugly things and making them try to look pretty. As, as my friend Kristen taught me this saying this weekend, putting lipstick on a pig that we make something really ugly and we try to dress it up and say, no, that, that's, that's a good part of me. That's a part of me everyone loves. Everyone loves that, that when, I'm, you know, when I'm around, I just tell people how it is. Well, well maybe God wants you to not do that. <laughs> maybe God wants to work in you so he can work through you. And this is a night where, where we're saying, God, what is it in me that needs to change? What is it that in me that needs to stay on the altar? What is it? You know, the Apostle Paul, he, he had more reason than anybody to just say, you know what, I'm just going to give in to my feelings. Like, to heck with all these people. They're trying to kill me in every city that I go to. Like, I'm done. And we, we don't hear Paul complaining. Even from prison, we hear him, him giving glory to God, telling, telling us that we should be thankful in every circumstance. We hear him uh, talking about, you know, I would rather die because this life is kind of hard, but it's better if I live for the, the furtherance of the gospel. And the apostle Paul went through crap, and he would have had many excuses to stop. Many excuses. But, but we hear him saying in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus, Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We hear him say things like, you know, I, I crucify my, my flesh daily. I buffet my body. He's saying, look, I, I understand more than anybody this battle between the spirit and the flesh. In fact, Romans talks about it. It talks about the, the battle that we have between our old nature and our new nature. And if we want to become more like Christ, we have to realize who we are in the Christ. That we want all of the good things. We want all of the good promises of God. But sometimes it means that we have to die to some things in our lives. In Romans chapter 6, it says, what then shall we say? Are we to continue to sin that grace might abound? By no means. How, how who we who have died to sin, sin still live in it? 
All of us have been baptized into Christ. We're baptized into his death too. We were buried therefore by him into baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we may too walk in the newness of life. And he goes on to say that, that sin doesn't have a mastery over you now unless you let it. Sin meaning anything from habits that God wants you to get rid of that, that were okay for a season that are not okay anymore. And you know what those things are. The Holy Spirit has probably shown you time and time again. Maybe it, it's that emotional driven and charged life. Maybe it's a pain from the past. Maybe that pain, we talked about it last uh, Chick Church, you know, uh, forgiveness, bitterness, all of those things. Maybe it's a pain from your past that, that you've made a cute little space for in your life. And every time God wants to do something, you say, not there. That's mine. That's my pain. That's part of my story. That's my justification. And, and if I let you into this, if I let this part of me die, then uh, maybe I won't feel sorry for myself anymore. And I won't have that wound to deflect to when people hurt me or when I feel the Holy Spirit working on an area in my life. And, and God's saying, put it on the altar. Put it on the altar. Give me the pain of your past. That thing in you that triggers you. Maybe it's a relationship that God wants to, to use and restore. Maybe God's calling you into a community of believers and you've been so hurt by church before. And he's saying, give me the pain of your past because I want to do something new in you. Maybe, you know, people have disappointed you before and it's a pain of the past and you're letting that thing resurface and come to life again uh, every time someone tries to get close to you. And he's saying, let that thing die, that I could do something new in you, that I can resurrect some things in you. Maybe, maybe it's the, the present that's holding you up. Maybe there's strongholds in the area of your present that keep you from crucifying some areas of your life. Maybe there's some problems that you're going through in the here and now that you're like, God, I can't reconcile this and, and I can't get past this thing and I'm going to let my old responses creep up again. I'm going to let worry and I'm going to let anxiety and unbelief creep in because I'm not seeing you manifest like I thought you were. I wrote my thing on the wall, uh, the first Chick Church of January, God, and you know it's March right now. And I haven't seen that thing manifest. So it's easy to, to resort back to the old ways if we don't get what we want. You know, my kids, I'm like, you know what? We're going to go to, go to Target after school. I'm talking about Target a lot tonight. Um, and, and, and they'll be like all excited. They'll do exactly what I want them to do. And if something happens and we don't end up going, you know what? It's easy for them to start getting like nasty little attitudes here and there again because they're not getting what they want. You know what we call that? A spoiled brat. And that's how we can be with God. We can say, you know what, God, if you're not going to do this on my timeline, then you know what, to heck with that, I'm going to go out and party again because I'm not seeing you manifest. Oh, to heck with being kind to my husband, God. If I don't see him change by March, I'm going to start giving him a piece of my mind again because this, this whole uh, being a godly woman thing just isn't working out for me. You know what, God, if you're not going to bless my finances, then I'm not giving 
You know, are you crazy, God? And what we're doing is we're reverting back and we're actually holding back the process of what God wants to do to get us to the promise. There's some things in us. Jacob was a deceiver. That part of Jacob had to die. It had to die. And so, so you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, maybe the enemy keeps reminding you of who you used to be. That sin of insecurity that came in in the garden with self-awareness. All, the, all now we're just worried about self all the time. And we're insecure. Or maybe we're in shame. And every time we start to move forward in what God has for us and believe for greater things, there's like almost a shame that comes over us. Like, I don't deserve this. Or, um, you know, uh, maybe because of my past, I could never be that. I could never see victory in that area. And you just wear that thing. You're like, I can never, I can never have, uh, you know, the promise of God because of X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you've let label you. And it's time to say, you know, that, that person's dead. Those things are dead. I am crucified with Christ. I, that part of me doesn't live anymore. I'm walking in the resurrection power. That's what victory is. It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ abiding in you, in you. And that means he's changing me and I'm becoming more like him. For some of us, maybe it's the future. Maybe it's the future that just keeps tripping us up. And, and just like we start making a couple uh, steps towards victory and, and the transformation that God wants to do in us, and then we are just paralyzed by tomorrow. What's going to happen? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen, uh, you know, what if I get sick? What if someone I love gets sick? What if, what if my finances collapse? What if, what if, what if, what if? And it keeps that old nature in us, resurrection. We're, we're giving CPR to the old part of us again that responds in fear and worry and unbelief. And God is saying, let that thing die. Live in faith. His mercies are new every morning. There is grace for today. But if we're not careful, we can let those strongholds of our old nature, strongholds of emotional responses of the flesh truly start to resurrect in our lives. And God's calling us out. He's calling us to a different space. He's calling us to a transformation now where sin is not our master, where, where the byproducts of sin are not our master, where the flesh doesn't rule over us anymore, that we say, you know what, God, I'm not going to deflect anymore. I'm not going to project anymore. I'm going to take a good look in the mirror and say, you and me alone, God, without any excuse, what is it in me that needs to be put back on the altar? What things in me need to die so that the new version of me can move on. And so tonight, as you, as you stand in this place, you can stand up with me. <laughs> I must not be very clear. I'm gonna, I'll talk to you like my kids. Stand up. <laughs> as you stand up in this place tonight, I want to invite you into a space where you're alone with God. All the things that you came in here with tonight, all the burdens, all the baggage, all the, the things that are on your mind that, that maybe were weighing you down, I want you to send them across, just like Jacob sent everything across ahead of him, that you release it tonight. And as the worship team begins to play, I want you to make a space 
with you and God. And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what is it that, that you want to do in me? Is there an attitude? Is there a mindset? Is there something that's keeping me in, in, where it's deceiving me to think that I'm bound? You're not bound in that area. You're free in it. There is nothing that can keep you bound unless you allow it to. That means it doesn't, it doesn't matter if your tendencies are to be a certain way. Because of Jesus Christ, you're set free. Those who the Son set free are free indeed. And so, so you might have a tendency to want to respond a certain way, but through the power of Jesus Christ, you could say, no, I'm choosing to walk in my new nature. I'm choosing to walk in the power of the Spirit. I'm choosing to not just accept the things that, that, that used to be a part of my life as my future story. I'm saying, no, God, you're writing a new story in me tonight that a year of victory awaits me and there's gonna be a new version of me that needs to obtain that promise. And so tonight in this, in this place, the worship team is gonna play in just a minute and I wanted you to invite the Holy Spirit to, to have that place of encounter with you, just like Jacob got alone. He wrestled it out with God. Some of you, God's gonna start some things tonight that, that you're gonna maybe even take home and talk to the Lord about later tonight. Some of you, it's a habit that you know the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about and you're leaving it at this place tonight. You're leaving it at this altar tonight and you're saying, I am not resurrecting that thing and I'm not carrying it into my new season. It ends now. This is an opportunity, women of God. Your kids aren't around, your husband isn't around, you're not taking care of everybody else. This is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to get super personal with you and for you to get super raw before him. And so asking him, is it me? Am I the problem? Is it me? Is there something in me that Lord you want to, to put back to death tonight that I've allowed to live? Or maybe it's something that, that, that was okay in a season that God's calling you to shed off to go into this next season. We're gonna pray in just a minute. But before we do, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna ask you the best question that you could ever respond to, and that is, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you invited him into your heart? Have you confessed him as Lord and Savior over your life? Do you know about him, but have never known him personally? If that's you tonight, I wanna to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me and to begin a relationship with him. It's like hitting a reset button on our lives that maybe you've tried to change before in your own strength and you couldn't do it. Well, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, you're now empowered through him to change, to become more like him because he loves you and he has a plan for your life. So if that's you tonight, nobody's looking around and you wanna pray that prayer with me, Lift your hand up high and I'll pray with you in this place tonight. Amen. I see your hand. See your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Hands going up all over the place tonight. Hallelujah. So good. Anyone else? Yes. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Don't be afraid. It's the best decision. I see your hand. Hallelujah. If you, if you raised your hand up high, I want you, we're all going to pray this together, but if you raised your hand, I want you to pray it and just declare it and believe it. And the Bible says the second you do, Jesus Christ is in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for my sin. I acknowledge him tonight as Lord and Savior of my life. I thank you that he was risen from the grave, that I could walk in the power of his resurrection and experience victory in every area in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, that's so exciting. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, don't leave this place without letting us know so that we can connect with you, we can get you uh, information, get you a Bible, and really see you set up to live a life of victory in Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Joey Miller podcast today. I pray you were blessed by God's word. I pray that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and ministering to you, that his grace is empowering you to be everything that you're called to be. Well, until next time, I'll see you on the Joey Miller podcast.